Hi, I'm Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. I'm super happy that you could, uh, you could join us today, Nico. Great to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. To get started, I mean, I kind of hinted at your, uh, your amazing career so, fo- so far. But, you know, if you could just kind of give the, you know, the, the, the short kind of summary of, you know, your, your career story here, because I, I think it's very relevant to the conversation. Yeah, sure. So I joined the games industry in 2008 um, in marketing, actually. So marketing, publishing, community management, PR, just a slew of different publishing related roles. And then in 2012, I made the transition into production. Uh, This is at Riot Games, where I spent a lot of my formative years. Uh, I was on League of Legends champion team, R&D and creative development. And it was here that I learned a lot about the like agile mindset. And I developed a lot of my thoughts, you know, a lot of my my philosophy around production there. Uh, In 2019, 2019, um, I left and I joined that game company uh, to work on Sky Children of the Light. And just recently I left um, and I'm on my fourth day at my new studio called Mind Show. It's not games, it's a 3D production animation studio, but it is doing a lot of really cool stuff with technology. And I'm, you know, applying a lot of stuff that I've learned from game development production there. That is awesome. I've done a few media investments and, and there's a lot of amazing people and projects, but it's also a lot of very traditional practices. So it's definitely yes. a, an industry ripe for disruption. And I'm happy that, you know, you're in the, uh, you know, you're leading the way. Um, you know, if you look back on, you know, your years in production and game development, um, what would you say have been the changes uh, in terms of challenges, you know, from kind of you started and you know, what was like the big uh, challenges then and, and uh, how have you seen that change over time? Yeah, so I think this challenge is still persistent in the industry, but the idea of transforming your company to like, you know, from a waterfall methodology to agile, um, I think it's gotten like, I'm going to use air quotes, like easier technically, uh, but it's still really challenging. So when I was at Riot, the transformation was happening a little bit before I started in production. And, uh, but what I did notice was there was a lot of pain involved where Scrum was sort of being forced onto teams without really understanding the agile like methodology where it's like, hey, Scrum is a tool. It is not, but using Scrum does not necessarily make you agile. So a lot of teams were being uh, forced into rituals and it just didn't make sense necessarily for their workflow. Um, and also people were being evaluated on like, did you implement Scrum versus are you actually getting results for your team and your product? Um, now I feel like this has gotten better where um, at least at least within Riot um, and I think like other companies like uh, EA and Dice where uh, people are walking in, you know, if they say like, hey, we're going to move towards more agile practices, they are being more cognizant of the team's needs uh, to to build, you know, to, to sort of ease them into like a new way of working and also tweaking it to make sure it makes sense with them. 
but it was really rough at first. And I feel like it's just, mm-hmm. it's gotten better, but any transformation, any change that you inject onto a team is going to be difficult to, to stomach. I think that's a very uh, interesting point. You know, we, we definitely seen from our point of view also how we have had a transition from, let's say, doing agile to being agile. Right. And, and, you know, not caring maybe too much about, you know, the exact, you know, method you're using or practices. And, and when you think about it as more, you know, being agile, uh, then there's a lot of other things that comes into play as well. I mean, everything from, you know, infrastructure to, um, you know, how you do your performance reviews. You know, if you look forward then, I mean, what, what do you think, uh, you, know, you know, in the future? I mean, if we have this conversation again, you know, in, in, in you know, five years, you know, what, what, what do you think will be the, you know, the hot, topic, hot topics then? Um, I mean, I think what we're seeing right now is that there's this huge social reckoning. You know, it's obviously pretty near and dear to America, but it's global, right? Where we're like, you know, the gaming industry is having a huge wake-up call in terms of sustainability, uh, in terms of sexism in terms of racism and so i feel like the challenge right now is there's a lot of companies who are you know they're putting out a lot of platitudes where it's like hey we're going to change we want to make it better but Mm -hmm. what people are going to want to see is sure you're saying it but like what actions are you taking and Mm -hmm. are your actions getting results and that comes with you know like a process is needed in order to enact those types of changes and so i think that's what we're going to see I mean, I hope that's what we're going to see, uh, you know, starting now and for the next few, like, you know, next years. You know, that's a, that's a great point. You know, it, it makes me um, think about a conversation I had very recently uh, in connection with all the demonstrations in the U.S. where, uh, you know, one one person uh, not, not, not too far from me was, was going to post, you know, he was like posing the question of, you know, where shall I invest money to, to support uh, the movement for change? And fortunately, you know, my, my friend who, who, you know, received this question from this person uh, was, was very good to say that, well, hold on a second, you actually own a couple of companies that are very significant in this industry. You should not give away money for a movement. You should look at what kind of recruitment practices and, and other practices you have in your own companies. You know, that is a much more important change. Um, so, you know, you know, these kind of changes um, are... Um, you know, maybe, you know, everything will just fizzle uh, or maybe we'll be in a, in a much better place uh, in, in, in five years. I'm saying much better place because I hope we don't have the alternative of being like in a worse place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's important to do both, right? Like, you know, you, you only can control so much of what your influence is. And, you know, if you're running a company, you have great influence in terms of diversifying your studio, being more inclusive, uh, you know, but like if you can also like donate to causes, you should. <laughs> so yeah, it, I mean, the, the, everything is everything true. is needed right now. That's true. So, in terms of um, you know more concretely, you know uh, challenges that you have uh, tackled uh, over your you know last last few years career wise, and and you know of course I'm, I'm quite interested in the application of of, of Favro. Um, you know, can, can you just share a little bit about you know what's been on your you know problem tackling backlog and you know how you done that. Yeah, so I mean, I've got a couple of examples, so let me know if I go over. Uh, but I started using Favor extensively around 2017 when I joined an R&D project at Riot. Um, this project was in Discovery, and it's really hard to track what you're supposed to be doing when you don't, you know, you're trying to establish your direction. Um, and 
I think I don't even know if this studio was using any sorts of any sort of tracking uh, system aside from maybe like a Google Doc or a Google spreadsheet. Um, and so what I did there with Favro is I ran like a Moscow exercise. Now this was physical, like we had post-it notes, we had a huge whiteboard that like went from the ceiling to the floor and we did a Moscow exercise. I ported that over into Favro. And then from there, uh, I refined that with the design lead and the product manager to create a clear backlog of work. Uh, Cause you know, you can, there are so many different ideas that you can pursue, but like, what is, what are the ones that are actually going to make a difference or, you know, what are the table stakes? And what we ended up doing there is, um, you know, the nice thing about Favro is that you can have multiple backlogs, like all present on one collection, is we had a prioritized backlog, we had an unprioritized backlog for stuff that we knew that we wanted to do, but we weren't sure in terms of where it slotted. We also had a suggestions backlog where anyone from the team could submit new ideas because when you're in R&D, you, you're going to have a sense, like, you know, you have to kind of put your foot down and be like, we're going to make this, but you also know that through you know, through testing your hypothesis, you're going to realize that like that worked, that didn't. And maybe if we tweaked it, it will, you know, it, it will actually bear fruit. So the suggestions backlog was really helpful for the team to feel like they could uh, input suggestions. And then in backlog grooming, we decide, you know, does that go and prioritize? Does that go and prioritize? Or uh, a graveyard backlog. Mm -hmm. um, so basically it's just like, hey, you know, there's a lot of ideas, some like whatever, like we don't really mm -hmm. care about them, <laughs> but we do want to keep them available because what we did notice is that people would bring up the same suggestions over and over again. And we're like, well, why did we say we didn't want to do that? You know, like, and, and, and at least you keep that, that history. Uh, because, you know, if you document that history, people can also say like, well, have you thought about this approach instead? And so you're like, oh, okay, actually this now unlocks this thing that was once in the graveyard, we've like resurrected it. And now it's like somewhere in the prioritized or unprioritized backlogs. So that was really helpful in being able to like estimate our velocity um, and, and sort of like say like, hey, we think we'll deliver a known, like at least a prototype in ter of terms of what we're trying to do, um, but know that it could slide if new information comes through. Cool. Yeah. Um, another example of this was uh, when I joined TGC, I don't know if people, you know, who heard this earlier, but they were asking like, oh, it was like at TGC. And I said it was crazy uh, because <laughs> TGC uh, is a very intuitive studio and process, I think in, previously, at least when I was like interviewing people um, when I first joined was that when process had tried to like, had tried to be put in place, it felt like very, um, very restrictive. Um, and so with Favro, like what's really nice about it is it's very intuitive, like anyone can jump in and the team was already familiar with Trello. Like, I think they had used it for some like personal use. Um, and uh, by introducing that, uh, I was able to set up some templates for one of our evergreen teams. So for those who are not, aren't familiar with Sky Children of the Light, get familiar, it's great, play it. Um, but every quarter, uh, the team drops new content. And this is like a ton of content. There's a new level. There are new characters that tell a story about the world and they each have, you know, some cosmetics, some, some unlockables attached to them. So it's just a ton of content that, that gets dropped every three months and it's a lot to manage. And so I created a template to make that more like to, to be easier to set up. So, you know, once, once you get done with the season, we can just archive that collection and create a new one. Um, and, you know, that helped. What I realized as I was leaving and trying to get like my backfills ready to take on that responsibility was that 
I made it a little too complicated, like the backlog, like there were several backlogs, only I really understood how to use the system. And so I ended up uh, like right before I was leaving, I switched over to the sheet view, which I think John, you have, you, you've wrote about in your um, game development uh, blogs for, for Favro. Yeah, um, and for so, sure. yeah, it made it a lot easier to sort of visualize like all the assets that need to be made and you know what the status of it is. And also, you know, just update it, bleh, sorry. <laughs> we just updated the templates uh, to make that, uh, you know, to sort of like future-proof that, you know, or you can edit and like resave the templates. So there's just, there's just so much, you know, and like you go through different phases. You're like, okay, I need the concept of this asset. I need the block-in of this asset. I need the alpha version of this asset. We need like polish and bug fixes for this. So like imagine following that workflow for, I don't know, like so many cards, I can't even count. Um, it just made it a lot easier to visualize. Yeah, I mean this um, this example is such a great illustration of you know one of the core ideas we had you know with with, with Fevro, which is instead of having uh, the same data replicated in different places and in different tools um, and maybe integrated, uh, instead really uh, thinking about it as having different views on the same data depending on your preference. And you know the yeah. example you just gave now was that well you had one preferred way of looking at it and you realized well when I hand this over it's probably better that they look at it in another way uh, and you know, it, it's really just a, a switch of view rather than, you know, having to change tools or migrate data or anything. Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, what I really liked is when we were like messing around with the, the sheet view is that you can also like go back into Kanban view for just like a specific column. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, even though certain things might be handled in post, you can also like slice your view to look at the things that are in earlier stages of development. Um, the other use I think since we're talking about remote game development that I really liked Favro for was meeting facilitation. Um, so the first thing is like standups. Like uh, while I was at TGC, the team there is pretty large. Like, you know, typically, like at least in software development, you talk about having a team that's maybe like seven to nine people max. The team that I was on was like 20 plus. Oh, and wow. so our standups were really long. <laughs> and, and this was a pain point for many of the people on the team because you're like, oh, we're we talking about relevant information. This is now actually taking 30 minutes. And when we switched our standups to focus on the Favro board, which I've done in physical, like in physical uh, spaces as well, but you know, it's nice to just screen share and just go through the board where it's like, hey, we're going by task. We know what we're talking about. We're focused on our goals and we can at least be explicit when we're not talking about the work on the board. Additionally, um, I implemented retros uh, at TGC, and that was that was a that was a major challenge uh, for me to figure out what's the best way to facilitate a retro for a team that has not typically done them before, uh, and also again on a large team. And so, I created a Kanban board on uh, Favro where I asked very simple ones. Like I know there's another one on Favro where they talk about like the, these, the boat exercise, like what's slowing us down, what's making us faster. I went with something simpler where it's just kind of like what's going well, what needs improvement and then action items. But I also use like the backlog view to show like what the agenda is. So it's always apparent to show what the ground rules are. So people know like what's the productive way to engage. And on top of that, what was really nice is, you know, if you've ever done physical retros, I mean, I typically do like the post-it note on the whiteboard and you're sticking stuff up. But you know, what happens after the retro is done? You take all those post-it notes, maybe you save a couple, you probably throw them away or never look at them <laughs> again. Um, but the nice thing about the board, the board setup is 
I created a new board for every retro. So you could go back and you're like, oh, this is a retro from this month. This is a retro from the next month. And it was a great way to preserve that history. So we could go back and be like, all right, so we got some action items done. Is there something that's still recurring in these previous ones? So really liked it uh, for that capability. Just made it so much cleaner to read as well, because it's also kind of hard to read people's writing that's not your own. You know, the, this one question I, I, of course, have to ask you, and, and I'm obviously extremely, you know, biased in this question, you know, <laughs> sure. com compare, comparing tools. But I mean, you, you, you know, you've been exposed to uh, a lot of tools in, in, in your career. I mean, uh, it, it would be cool to just hear from you kind of a short kind of uh, compare and contrast, you know, between, you know, Favro and, and the other tools you used. You know, what, what, what do you miss, you know, when, when you're not having Favro? Yeah, so I mean, one of the other tools that I use extensively is Google Sheets. Like a spreadsheet is just a great place to prototype a workflow, you know, or if you're just doing like a small slice of work, sometimes it's just the easiest for everyone to jam in uh, like one of those files and work stuff out. The thing though is that like you have to do, you know, if you're trying to do something more complicated, now you need to know how to use formulas, you know, how to arrange your views and whatnot. And copy pasting is like really annoying <laughs> in, in Google Sheets. Um, you know, rip to physical boards, but uh, those were always fun. You know, if you had the, the place for them, like the, the presence of a physical board, I've always really enjoyed. Um, but, you know, it's not something that we have the, the luxury of right now for those of us who are working remotely. Um, though it is a luxury to work remotely, like, it's awesome. <laughs> um, as for Jira, that's the other one that I use. I still haven't, I'll be honest, I still haven't found anything better than Jira for bug tracking. Um, just like the being able to get the reports, the burndown reports are really, really useful, you know, like knowing where bugs are coming from, uh, like how to divvy them out. But, oh my God, it is horrendous for project tracking. The learning curve is so high. Like, unless you're an engineer, QA, or producer that's taking the time to learn JQL, I have never found another discipline that has been willingly like, yeah, I'm all about Jira. Whereas with Favro, like they kind of <laughs> just jump in and they figure it out. Um, additionally, like I've worked with evergreen team. So like with champion team, you're making new content, but it's still for the most part using the same, you're still doing the same kind of stuff. Same thing with seasons for sky children of the light. And there's no easy way to clone multiple cards. So when you're working with these like massive features that have a ton of different assets or tasks, not being able to create templates is is such a time sink. Um, it feels like grunt work. And, you know, this is not the kind of stuff that I think many of us in this space enjoy doing. We want to use that energy to go solve, you know, more challenging problems, not just like data entry. That's a great example. The, um, you know, Jira is probably the most typical legacy tool um, when it comes to uh, having to interact with, um, interact with, with other tools uh, from a Favre point of view. Um, so what, what we did was that we, um, we, we created um, quite robust integrations with both um, Jira Cloud and Jira Server. Mm -hmm. And a uh, good practice that I, I see is that uh, teams, well, firstly, having you know, embedded QA in, the, in their squads, um, you know, so they actually try to, to, uh, to find and, and, and fix the bugs you know, within their iterations. Uh, but then they probably have... Um, uh, a QA team uh, to cap capture what I call um, escaped bugs, and and those will typically be in Jira, and there might even be you know external QA, and then by using the integration with Favro, 
Uh, you can have a, a, a backlog in Favro, uh, a, a list uh, that is automatically being populated in a two-way sync with, with those bugs. And then you can just click and drag those bugs into your next iteration or, you know, your Kanban board or, you know, whatever way you set things up in Favro. So, so then you, you, you have, you can manage your escape bugs, you know, in Favro. It's a two-way sync, so it gets updated on the Jira side. And, and you know, that is probably, you know, the most elegant way I've seen, you know, this, this situation being handled. Right. Uh, cool. You know, Nico, thank you so much for, for joining us. You know, there, there might be uh, more opportunities to jump into the conversation here lately, uh, later. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free or charge. Check it out.